across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. All right, we're now going to be talking to the president of uh, the uh, African Transformation Movement. And we are talking to the president about his faith. I always say this, I want to say this again. For the purposes of this feature, we're not particularly talking about the organization, but his view as the leader of the organization. Granted, there will be some questions that will relate to the organization since he is leading the organization that speak to his faith and how his faith influences him to lead the organization. So, as I said, joining me now online is our guest for Faith of Our Leaders feature, President of the African Transformation Movement. He is joining us to give us his perspective. Vuelo Zungula is a politician and he is now leading the party. Vuelo Zungula, good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Evening, nice, and evening to um, all of the listeners. All right, let's just begin by asking the question that some people have asked me. Are you a minister? Are you a pastor? Are you a religious leader? Um, yes, in my church, I am a deacon. Um, so that makes me um, have spiritual responsibilities to the people in the congregation. Okay. What church would that be? I don't, I, I don't, yeah, just one correction though. Okay. It is not my church. It is a church that I'm part of, which is 12 Apostles Church in Christ, led okay. by the brilliant and bold Professor Cesar Nongong. Okay. All right. All right. So do tell us, Vuyolwe um, Tuzungula, when, when did you meet your faith? Surely no human being known in this world is born a person of faith. You have to accept a faith, study it, understand it, and then accept it as yours. Uh, when did that happen? Uh, I grew up with my grandparents who, who were very, very religious. Um, almost um, every day would have prayers, would have um, you know, sessions at home where we talk about God and they te- teach us about all um, issues pertaining to God. However, what I found um, whilst I was growing up is that I was just partaking in those sessions, in those activities, just because, um, you know, I'm at home and I have to. Uh, I learned whilst I was in varsity, my first year of varsity, that the issue of worshiping God and being spiritual, it is a personal experience whereby you ought as a person to have a personal experience with God because God is not the God, it is not the practices that um, you know we have in our churches. God is a spirit and you as a person, you are also a soul which is a spirit. You need to have interaction between you as a spirit and God that is a spirit. That is why you find at times a person, you can't understand why they worship God because they've got a personal experience, they can't relate, they've got a personal experience, they can't really exp- um, explain to other people because, you know, God is personal um, to many people like that. Whereas when you are deeply religious or you are religious, in my view, religion, um, I, I, I see as just as a set of laws that regulate how people ought to worship God. But we need to graduate from religion and enter into spirituality where it is the Spirit of God that guides us as to how we need to do things that will please God. Because 
the men in which we live our lives now, they need to please God. And men in which that can happen, it is only through the inspiration and the guidance and the counsel of the Holy Spirit. When when was your faith established there, Mr. Zumbul? Um, um, you know, I could say, um, you know, 2006, I went to NMNU. That is when I went, I joined a student Christian organization called TASA, um, which was um, inspired by Professor Nongonga. Um, it was operating in the different campuses across the country. So that is where, basically, I was not... I was not like a child at home yeah. who have to listen to what the parents are saying relating to God. If the parents are saying go to church, you go to church. But there in NMMU, that's when I learned or I got the inspiration um, for myself to actually search for more information about God so that ultimately, for me, going to church yeah. is not just an exercise because my parents are telling me to do so, but I'm going there. Um, because, you know, I've got that experience with God. What, what year was this? 2006. 2006. How old were you, if you don't mind me asking? When this happened, how old were you? You, you were entitled uh, not to answer it if you are uncomfortable to answer it. Um, 2006. Um, I think I was 19. Yes, okay. I was 19. All right. Do you imagine that youngsters, teenagers particularly, do have the capacity to take lifelong particularly spiritual decisions. As you were 19, you were a teenager. Do teenagers have the mental capacity to take lifelong decisions, as such as joining a particular faith? Definitely they do, particularly when it comes to God. Like I said, the experience you will have yeah. when it comes to, you know, um, uh, interacting with God or interacting with the Word of God you are able to be touched so much effect that even if it's 50 years later, yeah. you can never, you know, um, take back that particular experience. We know a lot of people um, in other issues concerning life, whether it's politics, business, or, um, you know, um, other issues concerning life, they are able to take decisions at a fairly young age as well. Mm. So for me, I think the minute you as a person get to interact with God and you have that experience even if you are 10 years but it is you know there's there's no there's no appropriate age for a person to actually know god experience god and commit to god so uh, you 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 really believe a 10 year old can take a substantive decision on matters of this magnitude a 10 year old inspired by the holy spirit now definitely okay Okay, okay. So what was your experience? Tell us your experience, this encounter at NMMU that led you to believe that you have had an encounter with us, with this spirit. Um, look, now, when um, I'll touch base on how TASA operates. TASA is an organization that is not, um, you know, focusing on, um, you know, the church element because you find that people do not get to experience God's love or God's grace because, they are too focused on reciting their church dogmas, their church, um, you know, rules and, you know, how, how big their church is. They're not elevated to see beyond churches and just look at God's creation, which is all of the different, um, you know, church organizations that exist um, in that campus or in the country. 
So when you are able, when CASA um, had Bible studies or sessions, we used to focus on the word. And coming as different from different organizations, backgrounds, we're able to just focus on connecting with the Holy Spirit. And from that experience, that's when we saw miracles that were happening within us, because that is another thing. And you know, the Bible says, meaning if there's no tangible action from, you know, your faith, it means your faith is somewhat, uh, you know, um, faith without actions is dead. Yes. Yes. Mm. So that is why for, for a person who has to explain his faith, sometimes it is very difficult because, for example, I can say I was walking one day and, uh, I got an inspiration that I need to take a particular road only to find that, you know, a person who walked that same road was robbed. I would think that that was due to the inspiration of God. Whereas another person can say, but, you know, anyone can think that. So it's very difficult to 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 explain how, you know, the, the experience you, with God has, in, has, has influenced you to be of a different person or to commit yourself to God. But if I can talk about my experiences, um, you know, I could, you know, go on the whole night, but yeah. there were a lot of experience I encountered that firstly showed that firstly there is a God. Secondly, God is not, um, secondly, God is a spirit, but is not a spirit that is just hovering over the waters or in the sky or in the trees, but is a spirit that lives within a human being. Even though your Bible says, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. You're saying that's not true? Back then, you know, because we, we need to look at the time when God said things, because everything happens with time. When God was creating the earth, that is when his, his Spirit did not have a dwelling place. But when he decided to create a human being, his intention was to create um, a place where he, as God, can dwell in. That is why in the book of John um, 1, it speaks about the Word becoming flesh, um, that in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. Now, meaning the Word became flesh, and when you're talking about flesh, you're talking about a human being, because God can never dwell in an animal, because an animal cannot does not have the features that God created, you know, when he created a man. When God was creating Adam, was very specific and deliberate that, He's creating a person in his own image. That is why even the Bible says we need to respect and take care of our bodies because that they are the dwelling place of God. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I was slightly distracted there. I heard you say God can never dwell in an animal. Did I hear you correctly? Yes, um, God will always dwell in a human being because... Where do animals being, get their breath of life then? If God can never dwell in an animal, where do animals get their breath of life? Because the understanding of the general Christian community is that the breath of life, life comes from God and nowhere else. It seems as though when you're saying God doesn't dwell inside an animal, animals get their life elsewhere. Where do they get their breath of life? Um, I'll make a distinction between something created by God, because everything on this earth is created by God. The sea that you talk including about... Including human uh, beings. Including human beings. Yes. Um, the, the mountains, everything is created by God, but not everything created by God, God dwells in it. That's why I'm you asking know? about the breath of life particularly. 
where do animals get their breath of life? If God did not, did not give animals their breath of life, where do they get that breath of life? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, what I know, which is the breath of life that came, um, you know, from God to a human being. I'm asking because you about the animals, Mr. Zoom. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm getting there. Because when God now created this Aden, you know, um, the Bible says he was lifeless. It is only after God breathed unto Aden, then Aden became a living soul. Meaning that there may be other living creatures that are there, your animals and other things that you may be referring to. But that does not uh, necessarily mean they've got, um, they've been breathed unto God and they are now living souls. Now, they may even get the breath of life or the life that those animals have. They've got it from God because God is a creator. But it does not mean that they are the dwelling place of God. Again, I, I asked there, where did they, where did it come from? That breath of life, where did it come from? It comes from God, and I just okay. said that everything on this earth has been created by God. Yes. But that does not mean that God will dwell in the creation young. God decided, he was very specific because, you know, when you are reading the Bible and you are understanding how previously, you know, God has been hovering over the waters, you know, he interacted with people in various forms and ways. But when you are creating a human being, meaning agent, it was because he wanted Inda Yokoshala, meaning a place where he as God can dwell in. And that is why when you look at a human being, even now, we are looking at the dwelling place of God. Maybe we should invite you to get some of the things that you're saying to, to, to clarify. So I don't want us to digress too far out of the conversation. But perhaps we need to invite uh, Mr. Zumwila Joy to talk about these very interesting doctrinal positions positions is sharing tonight. Let's go back to you, Mr. Zumwila. How did you accept? Did you have a, an altar call? What happened for you to then believe that you have switched now into this spirit-filled world you have now been spirit-filled can you share with us the event did you come did you respond to an altar call for example um you know for, for a person to be led by the spirit they need to have the holy spirit um you know and god created or the Bible has, has, you know, a process in which a person can receive the Holy Spirit. And that process, um, you know, it is a process that is documented in the book of Acts, where, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the Bible states that through the laying of the hands of the apostles, a person is able to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, once you have that Holy Spirit, because, okay, let me go back to say, when you are baptized as a person, there are two sets of baptisms. The first baptism, it is the baptism by water, which is a baptism set out for repentance from sin. The other baptism, it is a baptism by the Holy Spirit, so that you as a person, you can have now the, the, the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit in you. This Spirit has got a responsibility to guide you. This Spirit has got a responsibility to protect and um, you know, and, and 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 be with you in everything that you do. 
So there was no altar call or anything. Yeah. I was a fortunate person who got to understand that through the laying of a living apostle, a person is able to receive the Holy Spirit from God. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to read a few text messages, um, uh, then we can continue our conversation. One text message on, twi- on Twitter, on Facebook. And uh, uh, that's Twitter. Is that Twitter there, Joey? And, okay. And I'll, I'll read a few, just one from Twitter and one from Facebook. Maybe one from WhatsApp. Let's begin with WhatsApp. If God dwells in human beings, why did Jesus Christ go to heaven and promise that he would... He was going to prepare a place for us in his father's house. That's like in Pretoria East. Would you like to respond to that, Mr. Zumula? Jesus went to his father. However, before you went to his father, he said he's going to ask his father for another helper, which is the Holy Spirit, that will dwell within us. So when you're talking about now the Holy Spirit, you're talking about the Spirit of God that is dwelling with the people and ensuring that the presence of God, because when you've got the Holy Spirit, definitely you've got the Son of God, which is Christ, and you've got, the, you've got God um, with the Father. So when a person um, requires now the Holy Trinity with that Holy Spirit, because wherever that um, the Holy Spirit is, the Son is there. Wherever the Son is there, then God is there. Now, when a person now ceases to be living in this earth, meaning they die or they pass away, then they get to be in the spiritual form whereby they are, able, they, are, they, are, they are no longer in flesh and they are confined to see things in accordance to the flesh. Okay. I want to read another text message also on, on, on WhatsApp. Uh, okay, I'm going to skip this one. Uh, this, I, am, I, I was playing soccer today at Matimba Soccer Field. He, he writes a lot there. Thank you very much. I, I've read your text, but I will not read it out loud. But thank you very much for the text. Uh, another text here, which I will read. Breath of life is given by God. You are trying to compare God to an animal. One day you will stand before Jesus. Remember now, you do what you like, but judgment day is one day you won't miss. Hashtag that. Okay, this person is giving me a reprimand. Let's clarify a few things. It is not I who is comparing um, God or Jesus to an animal. This is what the Bible gives us. If you are a reader of the Bible, you will understand exactly that. The very same Jesus you were trying to threaten me with was called by the Bible the Lamb of God. That's an animal, sir, a primate. He was also called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Bible. He's also resembling the snake that was made out of bronze. Bible. All those similitudes and comparisons to animals, they all come from scripture, not me. So whatever it is that you're threatening me with or about, sir, uh, take it to the Bible. I'm not interested. All right, let's go back to the text, those who are talking about what we're talking about tonight. One reads, we believe in it, although it may be beyond our understanding. Animals get their breath of life from God. It's blind faith. It's a peace job. Not quite sure what you mean by that, sir or madam. It's a peace job. But would you like to respond to any of these, Mr. Zumun? Um, no, no, no. no. <laughs> okay. We don't need to respond to everything. <laughs> of course. Okay. Now, let's let's talk about a, a few things that... Oh, what is that Twitter, Joey? All right, that's Facebook. Muapostola uh, Derek Muswana writes, Does he support or denounce homosexuality? Question mark. 
That's your question, sir, from from Apostle Derek Muson. Um, what? Okay, I don't get the question. He's asking, does he? He's referring to you. Do you support oh, or denounce homosexuality? Uh, no, mine is not to judge. Um, firstly, the creation of God. Um, it is a, it is God who creates human beings in His own wisdom. So it is not for me to denounce who um, is worthy of God or he, who is not worthy of God. So when it comes to judging people, that I can never, you know, that is a space that I will never venture into. Uh, I don't think there was anything in this text about judgment. He's asking whether you support or denounce homosexuality. He's not talking about the people, but the practice. Does he support or denounce homosexuality? You, you can't separate the practice now from the people, um, because if you're talking about homosexuals or homosexuality, you're talking about something that is practiced by human beings. And when you go towards, um, you know, denouncing, denouncing means making judgment. And judgment, judgment, it is what has made people to lose the love of God, where they are somewhat relegating people who are created by God to be non-entities, relegating people who, you know, who have got the breath of life coming from God as people that, you know, sometimes they even call them, you know, devil worshippers or people filled with the evil spirit. So that is a result of people making certain judgments based on the practice of homosexuality. And I am um, um, not in support of that. All right. My, my question is a follow-up on what you just said right now, and I want us to understand it in the full context. If you're saying you cannot separate the people from the practice, effectively suggesting that you cannot and will never denounce murder because murder is done by people. You will never denounce rape because rape is done by people. Child molestation, slavery, trafficking... All of these ills and bad things that are done by people, you will never denounce them because they're done by people. Is that your thesis, Mr. Zula? That things are done by people, you will never denounce because you will fall into the trap of judgment? No, 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 no. There's a difference now between um, when a person does something wrong that society finds it um finds it finds makes society uncomfortable when you're talking about murder you're talking about a person who deliberately does things that make society uncomfortable which is taking off life of other people when you're talking about homosexuality or homosexuals you're talking about people who decide in a particular sexuality in which they will we we'll live by no, no, Mr. Zuna. Let, let's let's be very clear here. Where you, your statement was, it was the homosexuality is done by people, and you can never separate the two. And that's where my question is: your your inability to separate the practice from the practitioner. That's my question. It's not about homosexuality or anything. My question is about your inability or your refusal to se- to, to to separate between the practice and the practitioner. In your faith, the Christian faith, you believe that God loves everybody. God loves murderers, but hates murder. God loves rapists, but hates rape. God loves everybody, the sinner, but hates sin. That's the teaching of your Christian community. But here and today, you're saying you are unable to distinguish between the practice and the practitioner. 
You are unable to distinguish between the sin and the sinner. Now your question is very clear. When you are saying God loves everyone, um, you know, um, he hates the sin, but, um, you know, but he does not hate the sinner. That one I get. Now, if you are going to say for, to me that homosexual is a sinner, that is when I'm going to disagree with you because I do not find that a person who chooses, um, you know, or a, I don't know, even maybe I'm, 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 I'm having a limitation of words. His issue has person, not been, he has, he has not given you any judgment at this point. He has not said this is sin or evil or what. His question was very clear. Does he support or denounce homosexuality? You could say, yes, I support it. No, I don't support it. Or here, he, he, he continues to write, Matthew 5, 37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. That's Mo Apostolo Derek Moswana again, coming at you. You can respond, sir. Yes, I want to clarify that because when it comes to denouncing, you denounce something because you are saying maybe in the faith of God, that is not right in the eyes of God. Or support. Similar. He has given you these two options there. He's asking whether you support or denounce. If you don't want to denounce, you don't have to. Do you support it, therefore? No, no, no. I will never denounce it. At the same time, when it comes to Do you support it, Mr. Zerungu? Do, do I need to say, for example, I support people who exist on this earth? Because when people are existing in this earth, there's no need for me to say I support those people. I support people to live in accordance to the men in which God created them. And that is what I'll always support. If a person believes that they were created by God to be, um, you know, um, to, to be straight men, I'll support them. If they, be, if they believe that they were, support, uh, they were created by God to be homosexual, I'll also support them. Okay, and he he, he he asks you to say just say yes. Are you able to say yes or no? Because he's quoted Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So you, can you read that scripture for me? I don't have a Bible in front of me because um, I do not want to confirm something <laughs> based on something I've not read. Yeah, he's, he's quoting the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37 that says all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I don't know how that fits into this context. He is suggesting that you are, you, your failure to be able to say yes, you support it or no, you denounce it comes from the evil one he's implying that he's not saying that explicitly but he's implying it by sharing that text from matthew 5 37. well let me clarify him okay i support each and every person in accordance to the creation of god okay i thought you were clarifying what does it mean sir (laughs) it's very clear to say if you as unai believe that um you know you are homosexual, I'll support you. If you as Unai believe that you are a statement um, created by God, I'll also support you. I will never stand in front of you and say God can never do one, two, three, or because you um, might have an experience with God that I do not know. You might have a purpose um, that God created um, you for that I may not know of. So it's never to me, to state whether you are wrong or you are right, but especially pertaining how God has created you and what he wants out of you.
what are out of you. All right. I want to go back to WhatsApp. A WhatsApp claim there, a post, post rather, from Lizwe from Brixton says, Now, to say God only dwells in human beings is just a claim, not a fact. All creation is equal before God. Full stop. We want to respond to that, sir? Um, the book of Leviticus um, 17, verse 11, or 11, verse 17, clearly states that... Okay, men, hold on, hold on. Let, choose one, sir. Is it 17, verse 11, or is it 11, verse 17? Okay. Okay, as I'm talking, I'm going to stretch now. Okay. Um, but what the Bible says there is that a man, firstly, is a dwelling place of God. We, uh, and because, tell, tell us the verse you're talking yeah, about. Okay, yes. So, yeah, it's 17.11. Okay. For the life of flesh is in the blood, and I've given it upon you um, to make um, atonement for your souls, etc., etc. Now, therefore, it, I said to the children of Israel, no one amongst you shall eat blood, nor shall blood, shall any strange hotels among you eat blood. He was referring to people that the the... the the life of flesh, meaning the life that makes you as a human being, it dwells in the human, it dwells in the blood. That is why God was very clear that you must not take life and you must not, you know, eat, um, you know, the flesh coming from a human being. Now, when it comes to animals, God has given us green light, for example, in the book of Exodus. He was very clear there that, you know, um, the, the people can slaughter the, 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 the lambs or the sheep and make sacrifices upon them because he does not dwell in those animals. God dwells in a human being. So there must be a distinction between, um, even though... Where do you, you, you're insisting on this point, Mr. Zungula, perhaps I should allow you to dwell on it. Where do you get it from that God does not dwell in animals? Where do you get that from, sir? Uh, now, I was, I was, I think I tried to explain when we're starting off, when I made a distinction between the creation, yes, the mountains, yes, the seas, yes, all of the land and all that is in it is created by God. But that can never quantify a statement that seeks to say God therefore dwells in those places. Where do you get God it from so that God does that? that Sorry? Where do you get it from? Does does the Bible support that? Do you get that view from the Bible, perhaps? Where do you get it from that God does not exist or dwell in animals? Or it can never mean that God dwells in animals? Where do you get it from? Um, now I'm reading a scripture now. Okay. Um, you know, this 17, Leviticus 17, verse 11, that speaks that, um, you know, the life of a human being, um, you know, is in the blood. Therefore, a human being must not slaughter or must not eat, um, you know, the blood of another human being. Therefore, even if... No, it no sir, it does not say that at all. It, 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 no, no. it says nothing of the ilk. Okay, you, what I'm trying to clarify to you... No, no, sir, uh, let's, let's read the text. Let's read the text and then you can okay. give whatever clarity you want. But the text doesn't say blood of a human being. This, this whole chapter in Leviticus speaks to the eating of of blood in in, in, in in the slaughtering and all of that. But let's begin with verse 8, for example. And you shall say to them, the men of the house of Israel, or the newcomers who sojourn with you, who offer a holocaust or a victim, that's an animal, and who does not bring it to the door of the tabernacle of the testimony, so that it may be offered to the Lord, shall pass away from his people. 
testimony and so that they may immolate them as peace offerings to the Lord. Verse 6. And the priest shall pour the blood upon the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the testimony, and he shall burn the fat as a sweet odor to the Lord. Verse 7. And they shall no longer immolate or they are victims to demons with whom they have committed fornication. It shall be an everlasting ordinance for them and for their posterity. Verse 8. And you shall say to them, the man of the house of Israel, of the newcomers who sojourn with you, who offers a holocaust or a victim, and who does not bring it to the door. And it continues, verse 10 says, Any man at all of the house of Israel, or of the newcomers who sojourn among them, if he has eaten blood, I will harden my face against his soul, and I will drive him from his people. Verse 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I gave I have given it to you so that you may atone with it upon the altar for your souls and so that the blood may be for an expiation of the soul. For this reason I have said to the sons of Israel, no soul among you shall eat blood nor among the newcomers who sojourn with you. So the issue here, sir, has nothing to do with the blood of, of, of human beings. It is a misrepresentation of the text to suggest that he was talking about the blood of human beings. This text speaks about the altar offerings, the offerings, the animals that have been offered there, and in this, when you alter them and you take out those particular pieces of meat there and the fat, there should not be any blood there. There you read it for yourself. I'm asking you again, where did you get it from? Let's talk about human beings, sir. Uh, I think, firstly, let me take you up on your offer that we need to discuss now at length or in depth um, some of the claims that have made. However, um, let me read for you the book of First John. Okay. Um, um, it's um, before you John go to First John, Mr. Zungula. Can we agree that this chapter and this particular text says nothing about the blood of human beings? You made a mistake there. Can we agree on that? Um, the part you read spoke about the the, the spoke about souls, but because maybe we might might not have time because. Animals do not have souls. Only human beings have got souls. But for now, I think let's park it up until we see each other face to face and we can go through all of these things. So you're saying you still stand by the claim that this text is talking about human beings, the blood of human beings? I'm still, I'm still um, saying that God does not dwell in any other creature besides a human being. God uses okay. a human being. He created a human being for that purpose. He never okay. created an animal for the purposes of that, that's, dwelling that's, in That's an the animal. first point I, I agree. And the second point you've made now is that this particular text in Leviticus is talking about the blood of human beings. Are you still standing by that? Yes. Okay. All right. When we, when we invite you again, Mr. Zungula, uh, you have agreed now. You said you're taking me up on that invitation. We'll schedule. Joe is going to schedule the time when we're going to come and talk about your religious claims. And I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate the, the honor there. So uh, you wanted to go to John, sir. Go ahead. In the book of John 1, verse 14, um, when it says the word becomes flesh, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, among us. Which, which now, verse are you reading from? Is this, Are you not referring to First John or is it just John? 
John, the Gospel of John. Because that is not in chapter 14. Are you meaning chapter 1, perhaps? It's chapter 1, verse 14. I My apologies. So. Okay, that's all right. Go ahead, sir. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay. Now, what in my understanding that means is that the word of God became a human being or became flesh that is a human being and dwelt amongst people, amongst us. Yeah. So when you're talking about, that is why I keep on making that distinction that the dwelling place of God will always be a human being because the writer of this particular um, chapter um, was very clear that the word became number one flesh okay. and secondly dwelt amongst human beings or amongst us. I don't think, you know, a person would say amongst us referring to, um, you know, animals. So um, I want to just re-emphasize that when you're talking about the word of God, you're okay. talking about a word of God that dwells in a human being. Okay. All right. We're going to leave it right there, Mr. Zugula. My producer just reminded me that we need to have an open line. I do appreciate you coming through. And my producer will call you this coming week, uh, if not perhaps right now, to just to, to, to discuss when you can come and uh, talk to us about your beliefs. Thank you very much, Thank Mr. Zungula. I really appreciate your, your time. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, Mr. Zungula is the leader of uh, a political party, and uh, he joins us to give us his faith. And you've heard him articulating his views on his faith, Uvuyoto Zungula. Uh, he is uh, the leader, the president of the African Transformation Movement. I want to take a break and come back. When we come back, we go to the open line, whatever's on your mind, particularly, particularly focusing on faith matters.